Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. Thou shalt not give false testimony against your neighbor. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a well-known Lutheran theologian who opposed the Nazis in Germany in the middle of World War II, actually was complicit in assassination attempt against Hitler himself, was found out and imprisoned, and when he was imprisoned, he wrote letters. One of them, writing to his fellow conspirators, he looks forward to the end of the war and the end of the Nazi regime, and he notes the extreme need of construction once uh, Hitler's Germany has come to an end. And he asks himself and his fellow conspirators, can we have any role to play in this reconstruction? As he put it, will we be of any use to them, we who have learned to be devious and deceitful? Will we be any use to Germany once Germany once again needs honest, straightforward people again? Will we be able to find our way out of the darkness of deceit and the treachery of revolution and make our way into this new world's light? It's a tragic case. But a perceived recognition of the place of speech within human society. This commandment reminds us about our bonds. All of the commandments remind us of our bonds. We have a bond of human life. We're bound together with our near neighbors through family and through marriage. We're bound together still with more distant neighbors in this common life that we share, being created in the image of God and redeemed by His Son. We're bound together with our property in which we need to survive in this, this body and life. And also through the spoken word of which there can be no life together. It's a common and a regular occurrence that we forget about the importance of speech within our lives. We wait anxiously and impatiently for our children to begin to be able to speak that we can communicate with them even in the, the vaguest of terms. We wait for words that are important to our lives, phrases that we yearn for. I love you. I promise you. I give unto you. I believe you. I'm dying. Forgive me. Even when we say none of these important words, we're constantly communicating. We're constantly bound by our speech. Not just our speech, but by the, by the language of our bodies and, and those things that we don't even put into speech. But that's still... Part of that speech bond, that communication bond between us and those that, that are around us. Because speech is so central to human life, it can be a powerful agent, not only for good, but also for evil. What are those things that are precious unto you? Your family, your marriage, your life, your possessions, all of these things, but also your good name is also precious unto you. The Eighth Commandment exists to control human speech in order that no one's good name be unjustly damaged. In the most literal sense, the Sixth Commandment emphasizes our public 
testimony unto the world. It forbids slander. It forbids defaming of our neighbor. And clearly this includes lying and deceit. For in order to slander one person, one must lie. And not just lie, but we have to go out of our way to tell the lie. Now everybody knows that it's always been difficult to be exactly sure what truthful speech is. I'm reminded of a rather helpful distinction between the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. The whole truth is a moral answer in which we must absolutely give the whole truth. Did you take the cookie that I told you not to take? Now a truthful answer could be no. I did not take the cookie that you told me not to take. That is true, because I took two. <laughs> if anyone knows me, they will know this is true. If I'm stealing a cookie, I'm not stealing one. I will take two. The whole truth is I took not a cookie, I took two. Another truthful answer could be, did you take the cookie that I told you not to take? No, I did not take the cookie that you told me not to take. I already had it in my hand, so technically, I did, mind you, I did not take the cookie you told me not to take because I had it in my possession before you told me not to take it. In fact, I already had two in my mouth. And the third one, that's truth. Certainly not the whole truth, but it's truth. We must always speak the truth, the whole truth, when we talk about a morality. To be moral is to speak the whole truth. Anything else is a lie. I'm reminded by a professor who said, anytime anybody says technically, you can tell already they're lying. <laughs> That's as much as an admission of guilt right there. Nothing but the truth is more useful on social occasions. For example, how do I look? Oh dear, you're always beautiful to me. The apple of my eye. Now, the whole truth might require you to go, yeah, but in that dress you look like a truck. No sane husband's ever going to say such a thing. The whole truth is not required. This is not a moral issue. You look great. I love you very much. The truth, the truth is complex. It means getting to the truth of the situation rather than necessarily the crude literal surface. Answer this question. Would you like to see pictures of my grandchildren? Inside my head, I'm going, God, no, under no circumstances do I want to see the pictures of your grandchildren. My secretary asked this question now just to frustrate me. She's like, I have new pictures of my grandchildren. I'm like, anything but anything, anything but the grandchildren. The idea though there is, is that really the question? Would you like to see pictures of my grandchildren? Or maybe, maybe the real question here is, would you be kind enough in order to allow me to share things with you that are important to me? And thereby, realizing 
that this relationship that we share is important not just to me, but to you. Let me share my important things with you. And any decent-minded and intelligent pastor goes, absolutely. I would love to see the pictures of your grandkids. Truth. To lie, to deceive your neighbor, it's not simply a matter of the words that we use. It's a question of what that truth is. The truth that we're trying to convey. When we are truthful, we don't just say certain pattern sets of words. We speak in a way that says that we really mean and what we really want. We do not use speech to construct barriers between us and our neighbors. We use that speech to create bridges to them. That they can speak of what they are and who they are and what they want and that we can respond to those honest questions and then together we build this relationship. Part of the problem we're having in America is that we're not building these relationships. Part of the, the downside of singleness. We have, we have more singleness in America than we've ever had in the past. More than 50% of our population is single. And with being single, part of the difficulty of being single is not having those hardcore live-in relationships. Which means we're not expressing as much as our truth is. Maybe we were able to 10 or 15 or 20 years ago as a society. And it's leading to depression, and depression is, is driving our suicide rate. Becoming a significantly unhealthy population based on a whole bunch of stuff. But the breaking down of the speech bond is contributing. This means here again, like all the rest of the commandments, we're not, it's not just a list, it's not just a list of prohibited activities. We're called to loving service on behalf of our neighbor. And if loving our neighbor requires nothing but the truth, then we will look to that truth and say it kindly and justly. If morality requires the whole truth in order that the good name, that our neighbor's good name be vindicated, in order that, that people not be deceived, then we by all means should speak up, defend our neighbor, be their first line of defense. If somebody wants to say something snide or crass about our neighbor, say that that's not true. And even if it is true, you have no business saying that. You have no business slandering or defaming your neighbor because of, because of why. Well, it's true. Just because it's true doesn't mean you should say it. Truthfulness is not an excuse for rudeness. Truthfulness is not an excuse for crassness. Truthfulness is, is not an excuse for you to be mean. And this is often the case in getting at the truth requires more than just a set form of words that we will look for to get the job done. As Luther put it, explaining the Eighth Commandment, we will seek the truth that defends our neighbor, that speaks well of our neighbor, that explains everything in the kindest way. I can't tell you how many times in the office that we have to respond to each other, and sometimes it gets jabby, and sometimes we go, is that really the kindest way? Usually I'm the one in trouble. Is that the kindest way to say that? No, I'm sorry, it's not. 
The trick is not just to speak in a certain way, but to want to. I mean to really want to, to, to want the good of your neighbor. To want that good for your neighbor, regardless of that neighbor is a child or a spouse or a coworker or the HOA agent or your mother, or your boss, the crack dealers, your barista, or the blue-haired, tattooed, transgendered bike cop that's giving you a ticket, or the MAGA-supporting, red hat-wearing crazy guy that lives across the street from you. Which other one of those two do you think is the more dangerous? But to actually want their good in their life. Wanting what is good for your neighbor is the fullest meaning of truthfulness. Harmony between our inner aims and our outer words, between what we want and what we say. Without such harmony, we represent a false image of who we are, and the other person doesn't know who we really are because we're not establishing a real bond. And without a real bond, there's a gap and a distance. And if you create enough distance between enough people, you will find yourself out there on an island all by yourself. And it'll be lonely. Quite often we fail to, to achieve this harmony. And I'm not saying, you're not gonna find that harmony with everybody. It's part of living in a sinful, broken world. You're not gonna find that harmony with everybody. It's, it's, not, it's not even possible. But you can build some. When we boast using words that conceal what we know deep down inside to be the truth, when we make fun of what we don't have, when we covet what we can't have, when we speak insincerely in hope of obtaining favors from others, we slander our neighbor, or possibly even, this is why lying cannot just be a matter of using the correct words. When we tell the truth about someone, but we tell it in such a way, and we tell it in such a time, and to such a small group of people that his good name is harmed in such moments, we may seem like we're speaking that which is truth, but we have really not served truth in our speaking. We've not used speech in ways that bind us together, but we used our speech in a way that divides us from the life of about the person of whom we speak and the lives of those that we've spoken about. Truthfulness requires a harmony between our inner self and our outer self, between what we want and what we say. To see this is why Jesus is called not just the way and the life, but Jesus is also called the truth. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Because he is the full, the full revelation of God to us. He is the full word of God's speech to us, what Jesus is, God is. And if in Jesus we meet one who is merciful, and such mercy is God's truest word unto us, that God loves you, that he has sent his son to forgive you, that he's not holding anything back from you. He's not creating barriers or bridges and asking all who would receive forgiveness, who would desire to be sons of God, that that way has been opened 
And that full revelation has been made. Truthfulness in speech. If in Jesus we find a faithful friend, and then such faithfulness is the truth, the truth of God spoken unto us, the God who is before and beyond and, and beyond all things, he has revealed himself unto us and spoken this true word, this Jesus, son of Mary. He has bound himself unto this human speech and truth, and he has taken our side. Jesus has taken our side. He has vindicated us. He speaks well of us. He goes to his Father and he defends us. That we might live as heirs. We might have eternal life. The word of God in Jesus to us is a word in which he binds himself unto us. And the purpose of human speech is to reflect, however dimly, that word of God given unto us that binds our lives together in harmony. The purpose of human speech is to reflect, however dimly, that word of God that has come unto us to defend our cause of the needy and those who are innocent. The purpose of human speech is to reflect however dimly that word of God given unto us that we should learn to want that which is good, that our speaking may, may reflect that goodness for everybody. The word of God to us in Jesus, this word of blessing, the only blessing that gives life. The purpose of human speech is to reflect however dimly that word of God given unto us that we may be a blessing and speak God's word of blessing upon those around us, that we might be salt and light, and in the bond of speech, that we most definitely be light. For it's the blessing of God that counts, the blessing of God that's been given unto us, that we can take with us everywhere we go, and share with everyone we meet, an honesty and a trustworthiness. It reflects a well-done, a well-done sentiment of, of God the Father, spoken to the Son, spoken by God on Easter morning, spoken also unto us, that this, this great blessing will be given unto us one day, well done, spoken in truth, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come. Come and share your master's happiness. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.